Super duper, it's great to see everybody here this morning. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Now, I hope I've got my history right, but I think, I was thinking this the other day, you can tell that Thanksgiving is kind of a holiday started by Puritan pilgrims because it's about giving thanks. Usually nowadays when people start a holiday, it's like Labor Day, which is about people working, or Mother's Day, which is about mothers, or Father's Day, which is about fathers. And we tend to make our days about people. Louis Riel Day, we pick somebody and we say, you're important, we should stop working. But with Thanksgiving, who's this day supposed to be pointed towards? God. It's, it's a holiday during harvest time where you're supposed to bring in your crops and then thank the Creator who gave you these crops and the ability to harvest them. And so um, I was just thinking about that. I like Thanksgiving. It's, it's really God-centered in nature. So praise the Lord for it. And a wonderful excuse to make a turkey. So we're continuing this series called Hand-Me-Down Child Care, where we're looking at how God, the Father, loves His children, takes care of His children through the Lord Jesus Christ, and then looking at ways we can hand down the love and care we get from God to the children in our sphere of influences. So I'm not just talking to parents or grandparents or teachers necessarily. All of us have people who can't drive legally, though there was a young lad in Brandon this week that proved that it's still physically possible when you're 12 to run into a bus with a stolen car. Um, There are still young people in our sphere of influence who need our God impact in their lives. And so I'm aiming for everybody in this message. There are young people around you that can be blessed by you handing on the love you receive from your Heavenly Father. But it starts with receiving His fatherhood. There's no point in us handing on our packing styrofoam peanuts of mere human love to people. We want to get loved by God, saved by Jesus, filled with the Spirit, and hand that on the ways that please Him. And so what I'm doing is we're working through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm looking at this prayer as Jesus teaching his disciples how to relate to his Father. Jesus teaching his disciples how to be children of God and what it means to relate to him. So if we can have the next slide, we'll show the Lord's Prayer again. And I've highlighted the section of this prayer that I'm going to be speaking on today. So why don't we, I'm going to read this, you're welcome to join me, and then we will pray after that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, thank you so much for this time together. God, thank you that you are a good God and a generous God, and you want to give this morning. So God, I pray that you would give us together everything we need to be profoundly impacted by your fatherhood. God, I pray that you'd break through unbelief, that you would heal pain, that you'd restore minds, that you'd open eyes of faith, that you'd grant vision for initiative and good works, all out of this time, because of who you are and what you do. 
God, I pray that you'd give me a special gift of the Holy Spirit this morning to serve your people, to serve your word, to bless you, and to be everything I need to be to be faithful. So God, would you come? God, would you come? God, would you come as we gather around your word? In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And all God's people and every willing heart said, Amen. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray every day to the Heavenly Father, saying, Give us today our daily bread. Thanksgiving is a good excuse for making a turkey. Last year I had a significant chunk of time off of work so I could seek the Lord and receive some much-needed healing. And one of the things I discovered is that I kind of like kitchen work. I like putting things into ovens and having them come out smelling good and being something close to edible. And over time, I've been able to make the gap between just edible to actually tasting okay quite large and getting towards that right-hand side of the spectrum. And so we thought we would tackle a turkey again uh, yesterday, which we did. And I found that actually, with my wife's prompting, the time between putting a turkey into the oven and the time between taking it out of the oven is roughly how long it takes us to mow the lawn. So, you know, it was a busy day. And, uh, but all that work, there was mashed potatoes, the carrots, the peas, um, homemade stuffing, all that stuff. It was at the end of the day, and I was just finishing up the dishes of all that stuff and really enjoying it, but just finishing up the dishes, and it dawned on me that tomorrow everyone's going to need to get fed again. <laughs> Amen? There's probably one person in the couple, if you're here as a couple, who is especially nodding to that. You're just wiping up, you, because, you know, sometimes you, the turkey just it oozes its gizzard guts all over the counter, and that takes a lot of time to wipe that up, and you just think, I'm going to go to bed, and everyone's going to wake up hungry. Right? doesn't matter how much they ate, how many seconds or thirds, how much um, complaining about overeating somebody did, you wake up hungry. And that there's a potential to feel discouraged about that. But if you do feel discouraged about thinking about the fact that tomorrow everyone's going to need to get fed again, that is how we are different than the Heavenly Father. That is how human beings, fallen human beings, are different from the Heavenly Father, because the Father wakes up, though he doesn't wake up, each day excited to do the feeding all again. He loves to give bread today. That's who he is. That's his nature. The Father loves to give his children daily bread, and that's why he tells us to ask for it. And so my mission today is to help convince us or strongly shove us in the direction of being convinced that today is a great day to ask God to give us the bread we need for today and to help us come into a lifestyle of every day being excited and peaceful knowing that today is the day that God wants to give me the bread that I need for today. Amen? I have this thought very often. When is the only time you can worship God? Now. Right now. 
Now is the only time you can praise God. You can't do it in the past. You either did it or didn't do it, but it's gone. And you can't do it in the future because you're not there yet. When is the only time God can provide for you? Right now. Now is the only time you actually have needs. You don't have needs from the past. They were either met or you're dead. You know what I mean? Sorry about that. But it either you, God provided for you back then, but it's done. And he can't provide for you in the future. Though he has plans and he's always working on stuff. And some of you right now have a nice goat climbing up the other side of Mount Moriah and getting its horns tangled in the bushes, if you know that story. But you don't know about what God's working on. Now is the only time he can actually provide for you. When is the only time God can let you know he loves you? Right now. And he's got plans for the future, but you don't know those plans. And you can't actually experience those plans. And half the time when God tells you he has a plan and a future for your life, you just stress out about it anyways because you want to know what that plan is. So you can tell God whether or not you like that plan and how he should change that plan, whether or not it's given by eternal love in you that he has shown by sending his son to die for your sins and give you the Holy Spirit. That doesn't matter. I want to know what the plans are so I can let you know whether I'm going to give you a 9 or an 8 out of 10 or a 2.2. Anybody? So now's the time. Now is the time to trust God. Now is the time to worship God. Now is the time to rest in God. And the good news is God is a God who loves to give bread today. He loves to meet what you need today with what you need today. And sometimes we can argue or have different, differing opinions on what we need to happen today. But God is a God who loves to give bread today. Now there are different kinds of bread, and I'm going to do this really quickly because in a culture like ours where food is relatively cheap, perhaps the most inexpensive food that there has ever been on the planet in human history, the excitement over getting bread can be kind of small. Okay, And this is true. Canada has really cheap food compared to most of the world, and we have some of the cheapest food ever in the history of the world because it's so easy. You see those armies of tractors able to, you know, plant, cultivate, harvest so much land, just like one guy and a joystick can harvest acres and hectares of land all by himself that would take like villages and cities in order to work before. We can make so much food for so cheaply that the thought of daily bread is not that exciting if we're only thinking about a loaf of bread. And I was even thinking about it. You know, if you go to one of the stores in town, you can usually get like a French a loaf of French bread, a big loaf of French bread for about 99 cents, which means even if you're earning only 10 bucks an hour, it only takes you six minutes to earn enough money to buy enough bread to actually feed you all day. Amen? That's pretty cheap. Nobody would say that this is the most nutritious diet ever. Um, You know, all all the, the healthy types would be like, you wouldn't live that long on that diet. And that might be true. But you could live off of a loaf of bread, which would take you about six minutes if you're earning the legal least amount that you can earn. Okay, so what's so great about daily bread? So in the life of Jesus, we have different ways that he expresses um, us getting bread. And I'm just going to go really quickly through this. You you remember the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus is throwing a teaching party. Some of you never had a teaching party before. It's where you all get together and listen to great teaching. He's having a teaching party out in the desert and people are starting to get hungry. All the food that they've brought has been eaten and turned into fertilizer for the desert, though I'm sure that doesn't do any good out there. And uh, everyone's starting to get hungry and 
And the disciples, they have a great idea. They say, hey, Jesus, send these guys out to the villages and they can go and get all this, buy their food because we don't have anything for them. And it would take like a year's wages in order to feed all these people. And he says, well, what do you got? And he takes that young guy's loaves and fishes and feeds 5,000. That was like a literal physical feeding, but with miracle bread. But there's another time when Jesus is fighting the devil, and it's always important to see how Jesus fights the devil. And the devil comes to him, and Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, and he's hungry. And the devil says to him, look, if you're the Son of God, why don't you turn these rocks around you into bread? And the implication being your dad will do it, because he likes to give daily bread, right? So why don't you just take initiative, take control, and turn these stones into bread? And and Jesus says, uh, no, because my dad hasn't called me to eat bread today. He's called me to be fasting. So, But what he says is, he quotes the Old Testament where Moses said to God, to the people, uh, God said to the people through Moses, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word or everything that comes from the mouth of God. So there is a bread that is more important than bread. Amen? There is a kind of bread that is way more important than just physical bread, and that is the word of God. Way better to starve to death than to die without the word of God in your heart. That's the implication. Now there is another kind of food, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, elsewhere in Jesus' ministry, he's, he's talking to the people about trusting God in prayer. And he says, this is in the Gospel of Luke, he says to them, you know, what father amongst you, if your child comes to you for looking for something to eat, look, asking for an egg, you'd give them a stone. Or if they asked for some, some bread, you'd give them a serpent. Would anybody do that? Hey, can I have a yogurt? Look, here's a rabid squirrel. You know, that's it's like, there's something seriously wrong here. So Jesus is saying, even you human beings, and he says, even you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it? Amen? So in the context of feeding children, Jesus says, the Father, who is the only really good Father, knows how to give you the food you really need. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. So there's bread that Jesus can give, and then there's the Word of God, which Jesus gives, and then there is the Spirit, which is real food. And then Jesus himself refers to himself as bread. You might remember when Jesus in the Gospel of John says, I'm the true bread that comes down from heaven. So bread's a big deal, sometimes metaphorically, sometimes spiritually, sometimes physically. But God gives this bread. And what Jesus is doing is he's bringing us to this place where we have to live with God today, kind of out of control of tomorrow. And I just put that word kind of in there just to baby step you towards the truth, which is you aren't in control of tomorrow. He's bringing us to a place where we live with God today, knowing that we are not in control of tomorrow. Don't you want to be in control? Anybody? Don't you just want to be in control? Don't you just want to be able to get what you want when you want it because you want it? Don't you just want that? Yeah, me neither.
And the reason we want control is because of danger, right? And as I think about this stuff, I've been thinking of this call. Be with God today. Trust him today for the daily bread. God, I'm going to need Jesus today. God's like, I can give you Jesus today. God, I'm going to need to eat something today. God's like, I can feed you today unless I've called you to fast. And that's a different story. God, I need the Holy Spirit today. I need the ability to do what you want me to do today. God's like, I can give you the ability to do what I want you to do today. All this stuff, all this daily bread, God calling us to just live today, trusting today, trusting today, trusting today. But our heart's saying, no, 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 no. We, we need to be in control of stuff because the world is a dangerous place. And the future is a dangerous place because we don't know what's going to happen. And there's all kinds of pain and disappointment and trouble and failure that could happen. Whether it's a minute from now, or tomorrow, or next week. And you know what we usually turn to, to get control of tomorrow? Money, 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 money. Anybody want to do the baseline for me? Doop. Money, 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 money. Money. The almighty dollar, right? Just think what you could do tomorrow if you had a million bucks. Now, if it changed... From what you are going to do tomorrow because God is your dad, we have a problem. Jesus is smart. Would anybody else agree with that statement? He teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray every day, give us this day our daily bread. And then a little bit farther on in the Sermon on the Mount, he comes back to this whole thing of us needing things. And we are needy creatures. We're just made to need Try to go five minutes without breathing, and you will have proved to yourself the point you were made to need. Try to go the rest of the day without drinking. Your lips will let you know. You need something to drink. We're, we're made to be needy, and God has made us needy. And so he, Jesus needs to deal with our hearts. And so he comes back to this issue of our needs, and he starts in verse 19, but I'm going to just pick it up in verse 24, and he says this. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Maybe I'll just say that again, because we are often unconvinced about this. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food or the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies. Of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father, note that, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In God's way of looking at the world, you can either live like God's your dad, or you can either live as a slave to money. It's called mammon. It's the name of an idol, I guess somehow associated with wealth. And in the human heart, our source of provision security will either come out of knowing that our heavenly father knows all of our needs and delights in giving us our daily bread or we will go to mammon we will want the money the cold hard cash we and we do sometimes apply idolistic terminology to money some people call it the almighty dollar amen well, it, how many almighties are there actually? There's only one. His name is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes people say money talks. Well, no. It's a dumb, mute, deaf idol. But human hearts talk. And they respond to the imagined prosperity, security, and potential of having more money, right? If I only had this much more, then everything would be okay. We want to be in control. We want to be in control of the future. We want to be able to protect ourselves. Solomon says in the Proverbs somewhere, a rich man's wealth is his strong tower. And then he goes on to say, but a poor man hears no threats. Now, I, I know that we need money. What I'm, what I'm not saying is um, quit your jobs and run through the woods and let's trade honey and whatever used to happen in the 60s in places that obviously did not have winters like we do. But you're either, we're either going to live in the economy of money is in control and we're trying to be in control through money or we're going to live in God's economy and this is God's economy here. Verse 33 of chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, we need to think about this, that Jesus said these words, because we can be very hazy about how we think the universe works. Amen? Okay? We can be confused. We can be muddled. We can think everybody goes to heaven, but there's actually a way to get to heaven, and there are ways that do not get anybody to heaven. Amen? Who is the way to heaven? Amen. We believe this. This is part of our confession. And if you reject Jesus, do you go to heaven? No, there is a way. 
There is a way to live in God's salvation economy, and it is a trusting look to Jesus. It's trusting him for forgiveness. It's trusting him for life. It's taking all of your eggs and putting them in the Jesus basket and guarding anybody from trying to take your eggs and put it in some other basket. Salvation comes by trusting in the resurrected Christ and in him alone. Amen? That's the way. And there is also a way in God's economy for churches and Christians to live, a way that walks getting that daily bread, and that way is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then to have all that you need come to you. Because and somebody could sit back there and be like, I ain't seen no daily bread. I'm just going to imagine it's some gruff guy. I ain't seen no daily bread. I've been eating hardship and toil ever since I was 17. The question would be in response, well, are you seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? What you talking about? Okay, there's your answer. We sometimes just assume that God God takes his a big fat heavenly butter knife and really chums it down there deep into the niceness slurry, niceness margarine, and then just niceness is across everybody indiscriminately. And that's not true. He has individual relationships with every single person. And how we're walking matters. And our faith matters. And the call is to walk seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen? To live on mission with Jesus. And on mission... He says, I got you covered. And rejecting that call, well, anything's possible. And I mean in the bad way. So I I just don't want us to live naively, thinking that this message is all about, I pray in the morning, God give me everything I need, and then I do whatever I want with the rest of my day, and then I get to complain that things don't turn out the way I want them to. God must not be faithful to his word. The biggest question is, are we living for his kingdom and his righteousness? Are we on mission with him? Are we doing the calling he's called us to do? And from there it is God's will, God's bill. Amen? One of the things I love about... um, how things work here is our finance team. The Calvary Chapel finance team, they're all pretty much quiet, introverted types, so most of you have no idea who they are. Okay? Which is great. But a typical finance team meeting is we, we go through the, the numbers and all the stuff we need to do officially, and then the stuff comes up where people have requests or their issues, and, and people are, the, the, the conversations are kind of like this. Well, this is the issue. And then people are kind of praying quietly, and then somebody floats out an idea, often me, just to get the conversation going. And the question is just always, what do we think God is telling us to do? That's, that's the only question. Every time. This is crazy. I've been here for six years. Every time, the question is only, what is God calling us to do here? And the question is never, do we have enough money for that? What are you saying if you say, I don't have enough money for that? You're saying, my God Mammon is tiny and can't take care of me right now. His government check has not shown up. 
The question is, what is God calling us to? And so I love it. The finest team is super generous. Um, they've said no to a couple of people, and I think I was both of that couple. I had some ideas, and they said, not right now, Rob, or something like that. Or there was a spiritual principle more important than the one I was working on, and it was great. But this is, it's just so good, so good, so good to be brought into a culture of we should just pray and then go for it in faith. Right? Because our job is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then his job is to make all that we need come to us. That's the heavenly economy. And sometimes he provides through work, and sometimes he provides through gifts, and sometimes he provides in the most ways you didn't want to um, happen, okay? So, reality check. I was at the Salt and Light Pastors and Elders Retreat last year, I think it was, and I was sitting down with this one guy from the States, and I was excited to talk to him because he owned this business, which I thought was really cool, where they would buy these crashed, high-performance motorbikes and then take the parts apart and sell it on eBay. And and he'd been doing this for years. And then so I was like, hey, how's your business going? Because it's such a cool business, I, I guess. And he said, oh, it's dead. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I bought out my partner. And then six months later, I couldn't sell a part on the internet to save my life. And so it's all over. And that's exactly what you don't want to hear, right? And that's what the kind of stories you don't want to tell during messages like this. It's like, hey, I thought you were trying to build my faith. Why would you get that impression? But even though I was momentarily thrown off guard, he wasn't discouraged. He's like, no, God's, God's taking me through a journey. And he was saying how they were like flat broke and his wife had gone and spent their last money on groceries. And as they're pulling the groceries out of the trunk, in some like weird hidden compartment, he noticed that there was like something sticking out. And so he pulled it out and it was this envelope and in the envelope, there was a torn-off Bible page somebody shoved in there and a big wad of cash, which, like, paid off all their bills. And he's like, I have no idea how long that was in there for. It could have been in there for, for a long time. Like, we go into the trunk of our car quite a bit, but not in there. And then, and then he said, I have no idea how anybody got that in there. So a page of the Bible and one of cash in an envelope in the trunk. And, and so what I have to take with my heart, it's like, but on the one hand, but your business should have been doing great if God's blessing you, right? Well, hold on a sec. We're God's servants. And if he wants to provide for us one way to build our faith and not an, an, another way, that's his call, isn't it, right? Our job is to be faithful and seeking him and doing what we think is his calling on our life. And it's his job to either make us the prince of Egypt or to send us into Potiphar's household, depending on what we need in the moment for our character and to get us where we want to go. Amen? So I'm just saying here, God's got ways on top of ways. But the heart of the issue is, he's calling each one of us, each one of us, each one of us, to live a life believing that today God will give me the bread I need. And then to look into the future saying, tomorrow he will give me the bread I need. And next year he will give me the bread I need. And when I'm 65, he will give me the bread I need that day. 
And when I'm 75, he's going to give me the bread I need that day. And not before, usually. Sometimes we can have this place where we're like, God, I believe you. I believe you provided for me because my paycheck just came in. So I trust you. And you got this big project to do, and I will have faith for that project as soon as the fat checks start flowing in. But if that doesn't come, I won't have the faith. But as soon as the money arrives, then I'll have faith. I'll believe in you. As soon as I'm rich, you are the provider of the universe. And if I'm not rich, then I don't really know. But So we can get stuck there. And Jesus is saying, don't get stuck there. I will give you what you need when you need it. And your job is to go. Our job is to go. God will give us what we need when we need it. There's this great story from Corey Ten Boom, who, if you've ever read her book, uh, The Hiding Place, she and her dad and sister hid Jews during World War II until they were uncovered. And she was, a lot of the book is kind of an homage to her father and just his faith, his love, and his uh, godliness. And she was saying, as a young girl, we would often be going to take a train somewhere. This is the time before airplanes were really popular, so they'd be going to a train. And she would start getting nervous, and she would say, Daddy, do you have my ticket? You need a ticket to get on the train. Dad, where's my ticket? Daddy, where's my ticket? Do you have a ticket for me? And he would just always say, I'll give you your ticket when we're going to get on the train. Which is actually smart for kids, because if you give them a ticket, they can lose it pretty quick. I'll give you your ticket when I get on the train. And so for a woman who was arrested by the Nazis and went to a work camp for a long period of time, this was a moment in her life that stuck with her. Her heavenly father, her earthly father, saying, I will give you your ticket when it's time to get on the train. And that is exactly what the Heavenly Father is like. I will give you what you need when you need it. Our job is to be with our Father and to trust Him in the meantime and to win the fight against the call to worship money. Money is always going to be there saying, I'm here for you when you need me. It's a total lie. All you need to do is sell your soul. Throw your family under the bus. Stop tithing. You can tithe when you've got enough money to tithe. Right now, you need me. Don't give me away. You need me. That's what money always says. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to give me away? No, no. You need me. Don't give me away. You need me. And it's a lie. What we need is the Father. So let's talk about children for a little bit. If we're going to be like God, the Father, who has committed himself through Jesus to meet our every need, and not just our needs, but a little bit left over for fun too, and sometimes a lot left over for fun. If we're going to be like our Heavenly Father, who loves to give what his children need, then we can be like him towards little people by loving to give bread ourselves by stirring up ourselves this love for being generous in ways that impact young people's lives. And it can be financially. Often it's time. When you live in a culture where food is cheap, um, relationships are the things that often disappear. So most young people would much rather have you than your stuff. I'm getting ahead of myself in the notes. But love giving bread. God loves to give bread. He loves to give and then to give 
and then to give, and then to give, then to give. He doesn't have a Sabbath. He doesn't have a day off. It's not like, well, I guess back in the desert, he would give a double portion on Friday so that they didn't have to work on the Saturday. He loves to give. One thing practically we can do with young people wherever we're doing it is to say grace meaningfully. Amen? So the practice of praying or giving thanks before a meal is something Jesus did. If you comb through the Gospels, you'll see whenever they talk about having a meal together, he prays. And so be like Jesus. But it's really easy to be like, God, thank you for this food. Amen. Right? It's easy to do that. Oh, yeah, we have to say something before we can shovel. In your homes, in your places, wherever it's possible, to make it as meaningful as possible, to point your eyes towards God before you eat and to thank him, do it. I really love not letting routine stop or get in the way of enjoying God. I love communion once a month and i love having it be more meaningful every time i do it and i don't care that christians have been having communion for the last two thousand years it's not old it's getting better amen and grace is not old unless you let it be old it's not boring unless you let it be boring it can get better every single time you can sit down and be more grateful that god did it again He did it again. He doesn't have to do it, but he did it again. Amen? You can teach children to live by faith and to live in God's economy. Okay, so kids are always asking for stuff. Have you ever noticed that? They kind of get this feeling like if somebody's taller than them, they have stuff that they can give you. It's just whatever it is. If I look up to you, you're loaded. You know, that and rightly so sometimes. That's the problem with growing up. You get taller than your folks, and they start saying, so when are you going to get a job? But how we talk around the the young people matters. Okay, So when kids come up and they're like, I'd like a pet rhinoceros, or whatever it is, don't say, we don't have money for that. Because that is saying, money's the boss. It tells me what I can and can't do. And it tells you what you can and can't do. And it decides if you can do what you want or not do what you want. And all of those things are actually the Father's job. So you can say things like, why don't you pray about that, sweetie? Which is a great, your first first line of defense whenever the, the pet rhinoceros conversation comes up. Have you prayed about that yet? The other thing you can say, if you do really want to shut it down, but being honest, you can say, you know what, darling? I don't know if God's called us to own a pet rhinoceros, but I can definitely pray about that. Okay, So in your head you're thinking, there's no way I want to pay for a pet rhinoceros, let alone the carpet. But you can train yourself to be thinking, I don't want to spend money on that because I'm on mission for Christ, not because of whatever else thing it might be. Amen? Or, even more relationally, you can both sit down. If you think it's a good thing, like, uh, you know, somebody says, hey, I'd like to get that new Star Wars Lego that's coming out, you can say, well, why don't we ask Jesus for it? And you're pointing the young people to the Lord, pointing them to their Heavenly Father, 
training them young to live in God's economy. And this actually does happen. Sometimes the kids get it better than we do. Um, The other day, uh, my younger son, we were having this conversation in our house about getting a new church building or church building future stuff. And he's just like, I want to give towards that. I have a dollar, so I'm going to give my dollar towards a new church building. It's like, that's right, Micah, you go ahead and do that. And then the next week he came back and he said, Mom and I were out and we found a dollar. And Jesus gave me this dollar because I'm going to give my dollar to the church building. So in his head, he's thinking, I found a dollar because God took my dollar. I gave God a dollar, he gave me a dollar. And I think he bought like a gumball or something like that with part of it. So he still had 75 cents. But that gumball came from God's gift money, not from his own money in his head. Amen? And so that's that's living in God's economy. That's living in God's kingdom. That's seeking first his righteousness. And what I love about it is that he's ready to give towards what's going on in our family. Amen? I had this thought the other day. And the thought was this. Maybe being a part of a church family is assuming that whatever that church family is called to do, you're called to give towards it. Amen? Maybe the point of me being a dad who brings in a paycheck is that I'm actually supposed to, like, buy clothes for my family. Maybe. Maybe. I'll pray about it. We'll start with a no, and if I feel a strong conviction of conviction, I need a conviction. Convictions. Con, con, con. Vic, 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 vic. I don't do nothing without a conviction. Now, the assumption is, if you're, if, I, if they're, it's my family, and I'm making money, by God's grace, that that goes towards the family's care. Amen? And the thought was, what if we had that same attitude towards our church family? What if the assumption was, what God is doing here, we're here to be a part of what he's doing, including financially. And so that the answer is yes, unless God really shuts it down with like some sort of terrorizing dream in the middle of the night or something like that. Where, you know, he comes and he just says, I don't want you to give towards that. Three nights in a row, because the first time could be the enemy. Amen? I had that thought. Can you know what the truth is? I've got ten more seconds left before I'm on borrow time. You will be happier being more generous. And it, it really is a wasted life worrying about money all the time and being a slave to mammon. And it's not just a wasted life. It is a dangerous life. Because Jesus said, if you're serving money, you are not serving God. Which is not something you want the master of the universe to tell you. Finally, to be like the Father who loves to give bread, um, be with the young people who need bread for their soul. Most young people will grow up lonely, not hungry. And so God sent down the bread from heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ to restore our relationship with him through his death on the cross. 
And then he sent down the spiritual bread, which is the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us so that there can be no human contact more intimate than us being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. His bread is relationship. His bread is peaceful relationship. His bread is joy-filled relationship. Amen? Father, thank you so much for the fact that you give bread. and God, this has been so transformative for me, just being able to wake up in the morning full of thoughts about the future, just knowing you will give the bread I need in the moment. Or if I need it before then, you will give it when I need it. God, this is just salvation in action. God, my dream and my desire is that we as a church, because you are just going to call us to so many things that we would just scoff at. Whether it's a new building, or sending off more people, sending off our best people, contributing more costly to things, wanting to have a budget increase every year of $100,000 until we are generously and happily giving away a million bucks every year. Whatever, Lord, you can do it. You're just not small, and you love us. God, you're huge, and you love us. God, you're able, and you love us. God, I pray that this morning you would assert yourself and go to war against those places where we love money, and we look to money, and we depend on money for security, and we think, as long as I've got this amount in the bank, I'm okay, and it's just a lie. It's just bondage and a lie. God, I pray that your love would come through, your truth would come through, your spirit would break through, and we would take practical steps to be on the tightrope with God without a big pile of greenbacks below us being our safety net, but instead looking into the eyes of Christ and knowing that you can catch us at any moment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.